I'm Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick, founder of Grapevine Health and your host of the Grapevine Health Podcast, a podcast highlighting stories, health insights, and experiences of community members. We started this podcast because too often discussions and decision-making about health and the healthcare system don't include perspectives from the people we serve. So listeners, if you have a personal story or an experience from working in the community or on the front lines of healthcare, contact us and we might have you on the show. Today, I'm talking to Ms. Roney, an elder whose stepson died from COVID-19. She has self-quarantined for 88 days and she's gonna tell us why. How are you, Miss Roney? I'm doing well. I'm a resident of Southwest Washington, D.C. Okay. Now, we've had conversations before, um, and I was so intrigued by some of the things you were saying to me. I thought other people should hear from you as well. So why don't we jump in? I would love to hear how you've been doing um, since the pandemic started, and if you have any um, general observations you'd like to share. Yes. Um... Well, first of all, let me just say that uh, this is the 88th day that I have been home straight. Wow. Yes. And um, the more I I read and study about the virus and how the experts like yourself are saying that this is a very lethal and dangerous and contagious virus, it makes me wonder why the people in general – the younger people, I should say, are acting like they're acting across this country. You know, they want to get out and they get out and they infect other people. And then just yesterday, I heard this young guy say on the news that, yeah, go out if you want to go out. If you don't want to get it, stay home. And, you know, these type of behaviors, it's very concerning to me because you look at it and compare it to other countries and they're not having these issues. Maybe they may be trying to mimic the USA now, but initially they were not having these type of issues. So it's very concerning to me because it's like half the population says, we don't care if we get it, we get it and we affect you fine. And the other half are staying home and trying to stay safe. So, you know, it's, it's a serious situation out here considering we don't know how long this is going to go on, you know? Mm-hmm. So what's your perspective on on why they're dismissing the information and the recommendations? Well, I uh, think it goes back to the president of the United States. He has not taken this serious from the very beginning. He called it a hoax. He doesn't wear masks. He tells people to go out and lay up on top of each other when he knows the pandemic is spreading big and big every day. And a lot of people are following his his call on this. And, and you know, North Carolina just had a spike in, in their cases of COVID-19 down there. The Republicans are supposed to have their convention down there in August. And, and he's putting a demand on the governor saying, do it or else we're going to pull out a convention away from North Carolina. And the governor says uh, the pandemic is not going to behave in a political way. So, you know, he, he's saying he's making fun of Biden the next 
black president, hopefully, that he's wearing a mask, you know, and, and little kids look at this kind of stuff. And this is not a good behavior to model for children or for anybody. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. You're right. The, the virus does not respect um, political views. So it's interesting that this pandemic seems to be playing out differently depending on party affiliation. That's really fascinating. I think you've hit on something really interesting. Um, and it could be, as you say, people are taking the president's lead. Um, but I, I'd like to go back a little bit and talk about um, your decision to stay in the house. How long are you planning to stay in the house and why? Well, I thought about it and I thought about it and I came to the conclusion that there is no restaurant, there's no theater or or movie house that I want to put over my life and going to environments where I could be infected. And I am an older senior citizen, so I don't want to get infected. I I know when my time come to die, I'll be ready, but I'm not ready to die right now just because of this. So I have decided that I feel safe in my home. I have all of the activities in my home to keep me busy. And I have been Zooming on Zoom (laughs) (laughs) for every day. So I'm, I'm comfortable in my house. And then when you get out and you see people, you know, they're making wearing a mask a very political issue, you know, and Mm -hmm. and, and I think that this pandemic has made some people behave in a very mean-spirited way. Yes, unfortunately, that's really true. So how long are you planning to be in the house? Well, uh, for as long as it takes. And then I think, Dr. Fitzpatrick, that, you know, if and when they get a vaccine, judging from the disparities that black and brown communities have gone through initially with this pandemic, we may not even be able to get the vaccine, you know, and if we do, it may be at the tail end of it. So I'm going to stay home for as long as I feel comfortable staying home because there's nothing out here I want to go to. Yeah. What would make you feel comfortable? What, What are the signs you're looking for to make you feel comfortable going out of your house? Okay, well, this may sound a little strange to you, but I have a, a suit like you see the doctors and them wearing in the ER. Mm-hmm. I have N95 masks, several of them. I have the face shields and I have the booties. And when I, when, I, when I do go out, I will be dressed like that because I just saw the LA airport where the, the flight crew are dressed from head to toe in this white suit with the mask, the shields, the booties, and the gloves. And this is serious, you know. <laughs> so I said, whenever I do go out, I may be going out for a specific destination, maybe to a pharmacist or something like that. But not to go out and be entertained, not to go out to the restaurants and all of that. We are in a pandemic, and people have to respect this virus. I respect it. Mm-hmm. What do you do about groceries? Are you are you able to get groceries? Well, my my daughter and my son-in-law have been buying groceries for me. And then last month, uh, May the 2nd, I went to the pharmacies and I was dressed in all of my stuff. I went out one day to the pharmacies and I really didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel safe. Uh, the people are driving faster and I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel comfortable being out. Uh, so my daughter has been uh, coming over, thank, her, thank God for her, uh, and she doesn't mind she doesn't she's constantly give wanting to bring me stuff that i don't even want to need but she's been really helping me out a lot her and her husband mm-hmm. and then have you needed any uh, medical assistance or what's your plan for that in the event you need medical support well i don't 
really need medical support because I'm, I'm a healthy person. I don't take medicines. I take one small medicine, but I'm supposed to give some blood next month, and I'm going to call the doctor to see if we can do a teledoc about that because I don't really want to have people doing blood work on me right now, and I'm healthy. Mm-hmm. Good for you. What's your secret? Eating well, exercising, praying, not adding sugar to my diet. Sugar is like a drug. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, not not doing the sugars because sugars can create problems all in in every area, as you know. That is so true. You you're you're a good role model for a lot of people. Even myself, I have trouble uh, with not eating sugar. So good for you. I I also wanted to ask you follow up on something we talked about before uh, related to your views about what happens if you go to the hospital. And I would like for you to share that with people also because I you know the challenge we have. With the messaging around coronavirus is that on the one hand we tell people to stay home if they don't feel well and only go to the hospital if they really need to be seen but on the other hand if you're sick you need to go to the hospital and I think it's provided some confusion for people and I feel like you had a very interesting take on understanding or making decisions about what to do in the event you you become sick do you want to share that yes as you know prior to the pandemic people were going to the emergency room all the time for Mm -hmm. whatever reason, right? Whether they had insurance or not. Now, people are not going because they are afraid of the system. Maybe they were not treated well when they were there before and they are relating to that. And just from a personal perspective, since I spoke to you, I told you my stepson had died from the virus. And when he went to the hospital, it was at a time when it was really raging and he didn't get a ventilator. He got a little oxygen and then he died within a couple of Well, since then, my brother-in-law in in Los Angeles has died, and he had underlying issues, and he was at home, and they did not go to the hospital. He died at home, and people are afraid to go to the hospital. Right now, I would not personally go to the hospital. If I got sick, I wouldn't go. I would try to heal myself here at home, and if I really got sick, I probably would just stay in my house and die in my house because I just feel, I've heard it from some nurses who went to New York from Las Vegas to work for the pandemic situation up there when it was really, really bad. And she came back and she was so upset and crying that she went on social media and told everybody that they are killing the black people up there. She, she, Her mental state was really seriously affected because she didn't expect to see what she saw. And blacks and browns were being shoved in the corner and they died. That's why New York had such a big, great death rate. And a lot of people are afraid of going to the hospital being shoved in the corner so that they can die because uh, a lot of this uh, medical people are given the discretion to decide who's gonna who's the sickest and who's gonna get this equipment or that equipment and and generally it's probably like that anyway but in a pandemic when you got an onslaught of, of patients coming in the decisions are made and I believe that this is why this uh, medical doctor in New York made a suicide because she 
she saw firsthand the discrimination that was happening on a medical level against the different races, and she couldn't take it. I, I did. I read. I read about that doctor. I didn't recognize that it was specifically related to this issue. But there's there's a lot of attention now focused on the death disparities by race, and we're seeing a, a lot higher death rates among black people compared to others. So if we weren't in a pandemic, do you think this would still be an issue? Because now we're, we have we have to face this and try and find solutions. Is this always a problem? Well, I do think it was a problem because a lot of people have gone to the hospital and been turned away for whatever reasons. They had to go to one or two different hospitals to even be seen. And so the pandemic just uh, accelerated this in a bad kind of a way. Yes, this was always going on and it wasn't brought to the the public's attention. But now the pandemic has pulled back the curtains on all of the things that's happening politically, medically, educationally. It's just opened the curtains for us to see and it's out for everybody to see, you know, including what happened in Minneapolis with this black guy that was killed the other day by the police. You know, it's, it's an ugly situation and that's why, uh, Dr. Inspector, I'm not anxious to go out because it's terrible out here. The people are very mean-spirited. Some people coughing on other people and you know it's just very uh, ugly situation yes we need we need a bit more humanity don't we yes we do mm-hmm. so what do you think we can do to change this so if we if we're seeing these health disparities we're seeing bad at more bad outcomes in people of color what can be done to change this what do you think well basically you know I, I, I'm thinking of a utopia but we need to overhaul and correct the disparity in all areas of life of the underserved, i.e. economically, educationally, and fairness and justice. The underserved community has always been just that, quote, underserved, unquote. There are many people trying to, there are many people not trying to change that, nor do they want to change it. This society in America is a society about the haves and the haves not. Thus, now during this pandemic, the essential workers, mostly black and brown, are a large population of the deaf category. Now, not many people in this country want to have everybody well-educated for a well-educated society, nor are there many people who want to spread the wealth. All of this ties into the health care for the underserved community. Education helps to produce wealth and better health care. Take away education and you have essential workers with little or no insurance and or health care. Health care for all, maybe it could be phased in using the Affordable Care Act as a starting point with 100% coverage. Health care would be compulsory, just like a Social Security. Monthly premiums will come out of paychecks. And with the economy of scales in the insurance business, it would not be so costly to anybody. So for those without a paycheck, that would be no problem. They would have a health care card, just like we currently do with Medicare and Medicaid. And health care should not be tied to jobs because if someone loses a job, there would be no problem. They would still be covered. So the enormous expense of health care is acknowledged. And as a country, we have to prioritize our value. Whether we need big expenditures going out to other countries when we have our own people at home that suffer. So it's going to need to, you know, back in Clinton, when Clinton was president, him and his wife tried to do change to health care. It didn't happen. 
Uh, Bush didn't happen. Obama came along and he got the Affordable Care Act and now they're trying to destroy that. I mean, that goes back to the haves and the haves not. This country, they want the haves and the haves not. This, this is not, you know, socialism or communism. They, they, it's always been this way from slavery and it's, it's, it's this way now. And mm. like I said, the pandemic has pulled the curtain back to reveal it all. And I don't even know what the starting point could be because I'm thinking utopia and I know that's not going to happen. Yeah, well, it certainly sounds like you've thought about this a lot. Maybe we should add you to some of the policy committees. <laughs> you'd, be a, you'd be a really important voice. Well, I, I just have one more question for you before we wrap up, and it's related to something you said about how you how you spend your days. You said that you spend a lot of time on Zoom. And this is interesting to me because I think there's a perception that older people do not engage with technology. How did you start engaging with technology? And what advice do you give others, uh, others who might be seniors who are not so engaged with technology? Well, I've always been trying to keep up with technology. And I was a member of the Congress Heights Wellness Center for several years. And I've always been going to the gym and exercising and, you know, keeping my body fit. But when the pandemic came, the Congress Heights Wellness Center, thank God for them, all of the activities that we were doing physically in person, they transferred it over to uh, Zoom. And I thank uh, Mr. Ritchie for it a thousand times, and so does the other senior citizens over there. And a lot of senior citizens are techie, and some of them are still having problems with the Zoom. But I admire them for trying to do this because it keeps you mentally, physically engaged, and socially engaged. Mm, wonderful. Uh, during the whole day. You know, I, I Zoom sometimes. I'm tired by the end of the day. <laughs> I, do, I do Tai Chi, I do martial arts, I do chess, I do meditation, I do yoga. I do a lot of things on Zoom. I go, look, I take virtual voyages. I've been all over the world during the pandemic. We went to Bora Bora last Monday. Uh, and so. On, on, I, online. You went, on, you went to Bora Bora online. Yes. I've been all over Europe. We went to Morocco. <laughs> we went to Bermuda. We went to Alaska. Uh, we go every week we go somewhere and I'm really looking forward to it every week wow. because it makes me realize hmm, I don't really need to go there because in person because now I've seen it, you've you know seen it. that's that's really wonderful well Miss Roni it's always a pleasure talking to you and uh, thank you so much for your time and I hope uh, we get a chance to uh, talk more even after the pandemic well thank you Dr. Fitzpatrick for reaching out to me to make my voice heard. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Grapevine Health Podcast. Our producer is Nicholas Elias. Please like us on social media. You can find us at Grapevine Health on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Health Grapevine. Until next time, I'm Dr. Lisa, signing off.